Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching from Israel by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. We travel to Megiddo today on Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Look to the north, the south, the east, the west. All the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Eretz Israel. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif. And we are at one of the more famous biblical sites today, yes? Tel Megiddo, another ancient tell, right? Civilization, civilization, civilization. Yes, known more popularly in modern culture as Armageddon. Ah. Megiddo, fascinating. You know, the end of the world, great battles. Uh, lots of layers of former battles, one big one coming, yes. Battles for that land, but today we're talking about the fact that that covenant was, uh, that land was a covenant promise forever. So regardless, right, of whatever battles come, God's going to give that land to his people? You know, it's like life's not without a struggle at the end of the day. You know, God gives it, but it's not a walk in the park. You have to contend for what he's given sometimes. And, and it's King like David that. had to contend for that, yeah, they too. they all did. We all do. Hard. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, them and us, to tell you the truth. Some people say, oh, look, life's not a struggle. Just, you know, just listen to my speech and everything's going to be great. Well, no, that, uh, you know, even with the word of faith and I possess it, uh, faith gets you through the challenges of the day. It's not a detour around at all. <laughs> it is a struggle. We're going to show you just a glimpse of the battles that King David fought for the Promised Land. And also, we're going to take you to Dr. Seif's teaching at ancient Megiddo. King David sits on his throne, knowing full well that his kingdom had not come easily, except by the strength of the Lord. And it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And he smote Moab, and he slew the Syrians, two and twenty thousand men. And all they of Edom became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And David reigned over all Israel, and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people and David's sons were chief rulers. The Bible speaks of wars and rumors of wars, but for David it was more than just a rumor, because he forged out a kingdom by dint of his determination, and with God's help, of course, him being the anointed one of God. Well, right here, Armageddon, his son Solomon learned about that and more. Come with me now as we go off to Armageddon.
David carved it out. Solomon solidified it. To what exactly am I referring? Let me show you. Solomon's kingdom was something of a vast expanse. Megiddo is something at the heartland of it. He had to fortify, defend, and use this to hold off invading forces from the north and from the east. And to Megiddo we'll go. It's called the Promised Land. And the reason why it's called the Promised Land is because God promised that land. And he promised it to a particular people who were destined to make a bid at a particular place. And if you're gonna fight to secure a toehold in a region, you're gonna need space to fight from. Hence, Megiddo here, Armageddon, a chariot city, among other things, a place that has been a sanctuary for many a king, as evidenced by layer upon layer that harks to kings that came here, secured, resecured, and developed this piece of land. This piece of land is a fascinating piece, by the way. It extends on the one hand over toward Egypt. This promised land then extends upward toward the Euphrates, and it extends eastward, by the way, beyond what we call the Jordan River today. It's a piece of land that was given to a particular person, as I noted a minute ago, a promised land. Oh, it's one thing to say that it's mine. It's another thing to hold off belligerents that are minded to say that that's not the case. And that tension, that back and forth has been the story of the ages, which is why, by the way, when you look with me in the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 25, we're told that Solomon who under his administration, the kingdom really was expanded. It had diminished some afterward. Under his administration, we speak here of, uh, of thousands of stalls for horses, for chariots. And it's Solomon who will uh, participate in what we call chariot cities here in the biblical text. And why is that? Because from uh, cities like this and along roads like this, uh, forces had to go out to protect the world from belligerence. And Solomon did that during his administration, certainly. We're told that uh, fortified as he was and strengthened as he was uh, by certain outpost cities like this, we're told that Solomon reigned in verse 26 over all the kings from the river. And the river here is harking to the Euphrates River. The word Ibru or Hebrew means beyond the river. And the ancestors came from beyond the river and secured a place here that was bequeathed by God in the land of Canaan, Canaan. And here we're told that the reign of Shlomo of Solomon extended up to the river on the northern and eastern front to the land of the Pilishtim, the Philistines. And this harks, by the way, to the areas uh, that run along the sea where there were some major cities there. Uh, uh, Gath is made familiar because of Goliath, Ashkelon, Ashdod, and others. The Pilishtim never had sway over this whole region, but they did have a toehold of it. But here the chronicler wants to say on the one hand, the kingdom extended up to the Euphrates 
and then in Canaan proper, the coastland areas, what he calls uh, where the Pilishtim reign, and then he notes as well as far as the border of Egypt. There's a, a river there that demarcates the border and it shows something of an expanded kingdom, a kingdom that God gave to particular people, Avraham, Abraham, whom the Lord said, come with me on a journey to a land that I will show you. And Abraham uh, rolled the dice against an uncertain future and he came and walked this land. And now some centuries later, now, I mean, I'm harking back to Solomon's era, uh, many things have happened since, but we see the story of God watching over his word to perform it as a certain people struggle against sins in their own persons, against circumstances that impose upon them, difficulties, struggles, trials, and all. God watches over his word to perform it, to give this land to a people and to secure his people in his land as a testimony to his greatness, greatness that extended to the past, to the present, and will be known the more so in the future. As we consider the testimony of God at work in the world here, Be'eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. Our offers on this program are beautiful maps from the Holy Land. The pictorial map of Jerusalem is a marvelous display that includes color pictures, churches, and biblical sites in Jerusalem. The pilgrim's map of the Holy Land is a very special map of modern Israel, showing sites of biblical importance. Get ready to locate the cities and towns of the Bible with these maps from the Holy Land. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, there, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. It has been a good season, plentiful rain, and now the days are filled with the warmth of the sun. Soon we will see a bountiful harvest. I am Joshua, and this is my land. It is rich and fertile, blessed by Hashem. Many years ago, Abraham journeyed across the roads that encompass these very fields, and God promised him that one day his seed would inherit this very land. Come, see for yourself this miracle of life, Walk the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Witness with me this magnificent land of promise. For your free brochure on our next tour to Israel, call 1-800-WONDERS. Just about every time we return from a tour to Israel, people ask us here, 
what is a highlight of your tour? And that's always so hard to say, but I would say food in Israel is a highlight. And uh, I know you love the falafel there. I love falafel. I love uh, the chicken shawarma and schnitzel. And I just have to let you know, Megiddo, where Jeff was just teaching, that's our first stop on our first day of tour. And you have a choice, don't we? We have a choice of two things for lunch. We eat at Megiddo. You get to eat lunch at Megiddo, schnitzel and falafel. Very Israeli. Oh, it's good Do stuff. you like it? Falafel, I uh -huh. love it. I had I my first it. falafel in Brooklyn many, many years ago, <laughs> and I fell in love with it then. It so is the Jewish sandwich. Right, and it's beans. Yeah, chickpeas. Chickpeas that are deep fried, and it's the most amazing sandwich in the world. It's a must. It's great. Yeah. It's an Israeli must to eat. And I just want you to know an Israeli must for us as a ministry is to support the people in the land. And when you donate to our program, you also donate to a ministry called Zola Levitt Ministries. And we, I want to say the word, if you don't mind, pump money into Israel through the people in the land. We donate many to many ministries. Yeah, and I think that's one of the distinctives of this television program, of the ministry, of a trip to Israel with you guys, and that is a lot of people go, they, 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 they take a church tour to where Jesus walked, but they walk right past the modern Jewish state and look right past the Jewish people. And I get it. I don't want to take anything away from the inspiration that comes from experiencing biblical moments by visiting the sites. But it bothers me that people don't see the Jewish people, the Jewish circumstance, the Jewish plight. Mm -hmm. And the kind of people that go with us, the kind of people that watch this program, people like you, uh, you care about the Jewish people. You don't just look past us. And I want to thank you for that. And just to reiterate, when you make a donation to this ministry, we give monies to works over in the land of Israel. It's not just filling our own coffers. We're really a conduit to bring grace to the place and help people see the Jews and the good news associated with the Jews. That's why we're here. Yes. That's right. David Dolan is our journalist for this whole series. Right now, he's in a bunker at the Golan Heights. Let's go there right now. This is the beautiful Golan Heights in northern Israel, an important part of David and Solomon's kingdom nearly 3,000 years ago. As noted on recent programs, this land was also included in God's covenant with Moses and Joshua as an inheritance for the children of Israel. David Dolan joins us now from this strategic site where he continues his chronology of the modern state of Israel. I'm standing in an Israeli army bunker on the Golan Heights on one of the highest hills here. Behind me is Damascus and Syria, about 35 miles away. We'll talk more about them in a few minutes. In the early 1950s, 650,000 Jews came to this land from Arab countries. Many of them kicked out in anger because the Arabs were so upset that the state of Israel had been reborn and they settled all over the country. Meanwhile, Arab terror attacks increased. Over a thousand Jews were killed between 1951 and 55, 400 of them from the Gaza Strip. Meanwhile, in Egypt, Gamal Nasser forged ties with the Soviet Union and started to receive weapons from them. 
He nationalized the Suez Canal, which the British had built, angering Britain very, very much. A secret plan was devised between Britain, France, and Israel to strike at Egyptian forces in the Gaza Strip and the Sinai Peninsula and get back the Suez Canal. In October 29, 1956, that war begun. But the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, was very upset over this. He feared an east-west clash, a superpower war, and he basically ordered France and Britain to call off their forces and Israel to stop its offensive. The Israelis had gotten all the way to the Suez Canal. And in early uh, November, a ceasefire was declared. And by March the next year, Israeli forces had completely withdrawn from the land they captured, the Gaza Strip and the Sinai Peninsula. In the summer of 1964, the Arab countries and the Palestinians met together in Jerusalem to form a new organization, the Palestine Liberation Organization. Yasser Arafat was the head of the largest faction. In 1965 and 66, the Syrians stepped up their attacks on the Jewish communities in the Hula Valley below from this Golan Heights. In April of 1967, they actually destroyed an entire kibbutz, Kibbutz Gadot. There were air battles, there were tank battles. Meanwhile, down in Egypt, Nasser was vowing openly that he would destroy Israel. He ordered UN forces withdrawn from the Sinai Peninsula in May of 67. He blockaded the Israeli port of Eilat, which is an act of war, and he told the world, we're going to attack Israel. He made alliances with Iraq, with Syria, with Jordan, with other Arab countries. The Israelis were facing forces three times as large as they had, tank forces, air forces, all supplied by the Soviet Union. They feared they would be destroyed, so they took a decision to take the first strike in a carefully calibrated attack. They struck the Egyptian Air Force in its bases in 15 locations, wiped out 90% of the Egyptian Air Force. They did the same thing behind me here in Syria later that afternoon. Their enemies were defenseless from the air effectively. It only took two days for Israel to capture the old city of Jerusalem. And by June 10th, just five days after the war began, they had captured this entire Golan Heights, the entire West Bank, and the entire Sinai Peninsula up to the Suez Canal. The Arab world was shocked by Israel's lightning victory in the Six-Day War. The Soviets were humiliated and they broke all diplomatic ties with Israel. Israel, though, offered to pull out of most of the territory it captured. The Arab leaders met in September in Khartoum and said, no negotiations, no peace with Israel, Israel must be destroyed. Right after that, a war began called the War of Attrition. The Egyptians striking Israeli forces almost every day and hundreds of soldiers were killed until that ended in the summer of 1970. The next war would be the Yom Kippur War. This time, the Arabs didn't announce it in advance. They made secret plans to strike Israel on the holiest day of its year, Yom Kippur when most Jews are fasting, television and radio is shut down. At noon, the sirens went off on October 6, 1973, signaling that another war was about to begin. Men all over the country rushed to their positions, and at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, the war began. Israel this time was on the run. They were pushed off of most of this Golan Heights. They were pushed back in the Sinai, almost to their borders. It was a terrible war with very high casualties. But by the second week of the war, Israel was turning the tide with help from the United States. The Soviets were very unhappy with this, and on October 25th, they began loading their own forces into aircraft with the object of coming here 
their own men on the ground to aid Syria and Egypt. The United States called a, nu a nuclear alert in response to that, and the Soviets backed down, and a ceasefire was declared. But Israel lost over 2,300 soldiers in that war, with many, many more casualties. And the government of Israel, humiliated by this defeat, uh, initial defeat at least, uh, would later be tossed out of office, and the Likud party would rise to power. The Labor Party that had ruled since 1948 would be finished. Our offers on this program are beautiful maps from the Holy Land. The pictorial map of Jerusalem is a marvelous display that includes color pictures, churches, and biblical sites in Jerusalem. The Pilgrim's Map of the Holy Land is a very special map of modern Israel, showing sites of biblical importance. Get ready to locate the cities and towns of the Bible with these maps from the Holy Land. We have some friends and even family that aren't able to go to Israel with us, but this series is actually kind of like you're on tour. We take you to so many places on the beaten road and off the beaten road. You've been to many of those places yes, in this series. It's like going on tour and it's like going back to college too. It's a history lesson of what's happened in this part of the world for, for decades and decades and decades up to the moment. Well, you went all over the land. What an incredible experience for you to get into some of these places. Well, you know, you tour. I'm reminded of, uh, of an expression uh, when my kids were little, when I was reading books, the magic school bus. You know, you, you hop into it, education takes you to places. You know, you read a book and it takes you somewhere. And I've been all around Israel before I ever got there just because I read the Bible. And it takes you there, both Old and New Testaments. Oh, goodness, going there and, and uh, seeing it come alive and experiencing it is extremely invigorating. And uh, it's stimulating as well when you look at the struggles associated with the rebirth of the nation. And that certainly has been covered in this series uh, with the wars, especially with our uh, great journalist, David Dolan. But it really is also very fascinating. Some people are worried about maybe traveling there right now, watching the news, but it's peaceful. Yes, people are, 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 I think we have a default position to worry. And I mentioned this, that uh, every time people go to Israel to, to tour their friends and family, they're afraid they're gonna get blown up by a bomb. And they're so surprised when they get there. You know, even people that are disinclined to support Israel, uh, my estranged Arab cousin friends, still, though they're displeased by the nation state of Israel, they still realize they derive their sustenance from it, <laughs> mm -hmm. livelihood. So they don't want it to evaporate because that's what's paying for homes and, and, and food and family needs. Right. Uh, people making a living, people coming from the, the West Bank, coming into Israel and making a living off the modern state. Explain right. that really quick. I understand with the term, because we're talking about the land, and some people, if you're not there, you might not really understand the West Bank. Bank. Can you explain that really quick? It's geographical, but it's also what is happening right there. Can you just well, the, snip it? The, the West Bank of, of the Jordan River, there's an area there that, that's carved out, that's been given over to Palestinian authorities to, to, to regulate their affairs therein. 
in as much as the Gaza Strip was given over uh, to Palestinian authorities, much as the entire Sinai Peninsula was given back to Egypt. Jewish people are game to explore, what does it take to make peace? Let's try this, let's try that. Right. And uh, the, uh, what we call the West Bank, there are, there are Jews that live in there, but principally we're looking at uh, Palestinian Arabs who then make their way into Israel to work with permits and then go there at home at the end of the day. It's been fascinating to learn from you you, the history of the land. Uh, David brought a lot of World War II information about the wars and also uh, the future. And it is so vitally important that we do what we, we literally do, what we say at the end of our program, is to keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem and all of Israel. That's our calling, and it's very important, isn't it? Yes, I believe so. We have more to come in this series, Eretz Israel but we always end our program with a song from our founder, Zola Levitt, and... And I'm going to do what the lady said. Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. For this is proof I won't 
This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministry.